Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't turn your faith off. Why, there's just liable anything to happen. Praise God. I like, it says in the book of Acts, while Peter spoke, the Holy Ghost fell. I like that. While he was speaking, Holy Spirit, interrupt me anytime you want. Praise God. I welcome it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I got a lot to cover in a short time to do it. Now, if we was in a black church this morning, they would have said, they would have said, help yourself, brother. Help yourself. Is that right? Preach it, brother. One, one church I was in up in Omaha, Nebraska, black church. I wasn't even scheduled to be there. I just met a young man out on the street while I was witnessing one, one day. And he said, uh, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a pastor's son. He said, man, I like you. He said, uh, when are you going to leave town? I said, well, probably tomorrow. He said, tomorrow's Sunday. You can't leave town tomorrow. He said, come over to my church. And I said, yeah, I believe I will. And so I went over to his church, and I'll never forget it. The, the sign on the building was as long as the building. Powerhouse Church of God in Christ. <laughs> and I walked in there, and he introduced me to his dad, who was the founding pastor. And uh, he said, now, Brother Savelle, I never met the man before in my life. Brother Savelle, uh, we, we got a missionary here. Uh, that we support, and she's going to speak for a little while, and then I want you to speak. I said, well, I didn't come to speak. She no, no, we'd love to hear you speak. And said, uh, now, the missionary, uh, we've told her to make it short, so uh, she'll be done by 3 o'clock. <laughs> and then you can have it from there. <laughs> Man. Well, the missionary, she even cut it shorter, and I got it about 1 o'clock, you know, and so I walked up there and I said, man, I am so turned on. I can hardly stand it. Man, the, the power of God's in this place. And there was a man jumped up and said, help yourself, brother. Help yourself. <laughs> and then while I was preaching, I don't know where this guy got this. He jumped up and he said, preach it, Elmo. Preach it, Elmo. <laughs> I said, who's Elmo? <laughs> but we had fun. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Vic, don't you jump up and say, preach it, Elmo. But if you do, I'll know it's me you're talking about. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I am delighted that John and Judy Hall are here today. Give them a good hand. Praise God. And also, Stuart and Diane, they're, they're, they're on our uh, president's cabinet. Give them a good warm welcome. Praise God. And then, of course, John and Sharon Bendixson, our directors in South Africa, been with us a long, long time. Stand up, John and Sharon. Give them a good, warm welcome. And they pastor Heritage Faith Christian Center over in South Africa, praise God. So they're family. Hallelujah. Not that the others aren't. They are. <laughs> but uh, we're just so grateful that you're here this morning. Open your Bibles, first of all, to Proverbs chapter 29. 
And this is going to be part two of the prophetic word the Lord gave me back on September the 9th when I was flying to Australia with Brother Copeland. And if you'll remember, uh, Brother Copeland and I were, were somewhere over the Pacific and uh, on our way to Australia. We just left Honolulu that morning, headed to Australia, and uh, we only stopped in Honolulu to just refuel and so forth. And, and so we're on our way, and uh, we're sitting up there talking, just having a good time. And in a little while, Brother Copeland said, I'm going to go back in the back of the airplane to take a nap. And said, uh, if, you, if you want to take a nap, there's, a, there's a, a sofa back there that's been made out for you. I said, well, go ahead, Brother Copeland. I'm just going to sit here. and I may lean back uh, and close my eyes in a little while. But right now, uh, before we started talking, I was reading a book. And I said, I'm going to keep reading that book for a little while. And I may fall asleep. I may not. But go ahead. Don't be concerned about me. So he did. He got up. He went back, back to the airplane. He took a nap. I'm sitting there and reading. And in a little while, I, I kind of leaned back in the seat and closed my eyes. And I don't think I, I napped for more than 10 minutes. Didn't seem like it was more than 10 minutes. All of a sudden, I was just awakened with these words. He said, in 2020, I will open a new door and I will cause you to experience supernatural increase as never before. I will open a new door and cause you to experience supernatural increase as never before. I knew immediately that that was my prophetic word for 2020, not just for me, but for the body of Christ. And, and I'll be taking it everywhere I go uh, in 2020. And so we began talking about that the last time I was here and had the privilege of sharing with you. And uh, I don't have good time to go back to that first uh, material that we laid out for you. If you weren't here, I encourage you to uh, in, consider getting the the DVD or the, what do you call it now? Go online, go to the website, iPad, your pad, my pad, and everybody's pad. Everybody's pad should have it. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And uh, get it so you can catch up with the rest of us. Now, Proverbs 29, very, very familiar scripture, but it's important that we read it again. Verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the prophetic word is designed to create vision. In fact, there's another translation that even says, where there is no revelation. Another translation says, where there is no divine oracle from God. And then the New International Version says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And what does restraint mean? It means they have no discipline. They, they don't discipline themselves to hang on to what God said. And that's the reason a lot of times people don't experience it because they don't hang on to it. Uh, a lot of times what happens in church, and particularly a church like this where we know the Word of God is going forth. We don't preach religious tradition around here. We, we don't preach doctrines of men. We preach the Word of God, the uncompromising Word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and a lot of times 
when you hear something from the pulpit, it brings inspiration. It inspires you. The problem with inspiration is it can leave almost as quickly as it came. How many of you have ever been watching television and and a a workout commercial comes on? Don't be lying now. Come on. You know where I'm headed with this. And a workout commercial comes on and and, uh, telling you, you know, you need this piece of equipment or something. And man, you get inspired. And next thing you know, you buy that piece of equipment, get it all set up. And you go in there and use it about two or three days. And then it's history. Amen. I mean, I I have a gym that's right next to my study at home. The reason when Carolyn built the house (laughs) that I asked her to put it right next to my study is because I I didn't want to be able to walk past it without going to my study because my study is basically where I live all the time. And I wanted to have that study, uh, that gym right next door to it. And now... I look at it and wave at it and go to the study, praise God. (laughs) I haven't been consistent, but I'm not bad, hallelujah. (laughs) Not bad for 73, right? But I'm not as faithful to it as I intended to be, and I should be. But, you know, we're coming up on a new year, and it's time to make a new resolution. (laughs) Amen. I intend to get more faithful. And so notice, without a vision, people cast off restraint. They, they, they don't discipline themselves to hang on to it. They get inspired by it. But once again, inspiration can leave before you get to your car. Amen? How many of you have ever been inspired to eat better? I didn't say eat more, eat better. <laughs> Yeah, I got that inspiration, brother. I've been eating more. No, I said eat better. We get inspired by it, you know. But inspiration has a way of leaving almost as quick as it came. That's what happens to most of the body of Christ. They get inspired, but they don't discipline themselves to hang on to what inspired them. Amen. And you can hear the prophetic words. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come to pass in your life just because you heard it. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it, man. Amen. So notice where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Restraint means discipline. People who lack vision are not likely to discipline themselves to do what it takes to see the vision become reality. Amen. They might become inspired for a time or for a season, but it usually doesn't last very long and eventually they just give up. Now, I have people that say to me from time to time in various churches around the world and a lot of pastors, they they wait to hear the prophetic word that I give every year. And a lot of the churches we go, isn't this right, Joe? We go and they've got it up on the sign, uh, on the wall, just like we do here, you know, Uh, like we do here. Like we do here. Where is that word? Like we do here. There we go. Amen. The year for supernatural increase. God will open a new door and bring supernatural increase as never before. 
Now, from here on out, that's going to be on the wall, on the, on the screen. Why? We're endeavoring to create vision. That's what God is endeavoring to do. I'm just his helper. Hallelujah. God wants you to catch the vision of supernatural increase beyond anything you've ever experienced before. Amen. And if you don't catch the vision, then it's not likely to come to pass in your life. And, and when people tell me, well, Brother Jerry, that didn't come to pass in my life. Well, the first thing I think is, you didn't do what I do. Because I take it very seriously. I'm not playing church with this. I fully expect to have supernatural increase beyond anything I've ever experienced before. Period. I've already settled it in my heart. It's done. Hallelujah. And I have a vision for it. And I get up every morning expecting it. And it's already happening, praise God. Now, not to the level that I believe he wants it to happen. But hey, I got a jump start on it, praise God. Amen. Now, the Passion Translation says, When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. People wander astray. The psalmist once declared in Psalm 119, verse 10, and I'm reading this also from the Passion Translation, don't let me stray from your directions. Don't let me stray from your directions. See, if you don't keep this before you, there's a possibility you'll stray from it. Particularly when it looks like you have a great need, and particularly in the financial realm, and you're not experiencing supernatural increase, then if you are not disciplined, then you'll quickly let go of that prophetic word and you'll begin to focus on what's not happening or focus on what is happening and lose sight of the vision. Now, this is right hot off the press. In fact, the Lord said to me, while I was in Australia, and I'm, and I'm studying this, I hadn't preached it yet. I didn't preach it until I got back here. And the Lord said to me, and I've got it in my notes, and I'll tell you the day he said it, September the 13th, while I was praying in Australia between the services, and uh, the Lord said to me, tell the people to develop 2020 vision for 2020. I like that. Develop 2020 vision for 2020. Now, what is 2020 vision? That's a medical term, and uh, it means clarity or sharpness of vision. Clarity or sharpness of vision. If you go to the eye doctor and he examines your eyes and you don't have 2020 vision, then you don't have clarity of vision. I remember uh, years ago, back in the 70s, when I began to learn to fly, I was taking flying lessons and so forth, and, and uh, one of the airplanes that the Lord had blessed me with back in those days was a wonderful little uh, single-engine, high-performance airplane. It was a, a, a Rockwell 112A, and I loved flying that airplane because it was retractable gear. It, it wasn't like you know, just a little Cessna 152 or something. It was retractable gear. It was a fast little airplane for a single engine. And uh, it, it required more 
than just the average little single engine airplane. And uh, so I had hired my flight instructor to go with me. He became a full-time employee of mine. And, and uh, if I didn't want to fly myself, then he would fly and I'd sit in the right seat. But most of the time when we'd go somewhere, uh, I would fly. And, and he was also giving me instruction and I'm logging time. Okay. And so I remember coming back from Oklahoma City one night after a service. And, and it was a beautiful, clear night. Oh, man, you could see the lights from Dallas all the way as far back as almost Aldmore, Oklahoma. You could see the lights on the horizon. It was a beautiful night. Man, I love flying like that. And so we're, we're getting closer and closer to Meacham Field out here in Fort Worth where we kept the plane. And we're getting closer. And the air traffic controller gave me permission to land. However, all those lights started blending together of downtown Fort Worth. And we're, we're still over Dallas, just, just barely leaving Dallas, still seeing all the lights around Dallas, you know, and, and coming into Fort Worth, all those lights. And, and he gives me permission to land. And I said, Charlie, where's the airport? He said, what? I said, where's the airport? He said, you can't see the airport? I said, all I see is lights everywhere. I, I didn't have clear vision. Now, you need clear vision to land an airplane. Okay? <laughs> you don't do like Jesse said to Brother Copeland one time. Said when, when Jesse got his first airplane, he said, Brother Copeland, I've been kind of watching that pilot up there. And he said, I think now if we had a problem and the pilot couldn't land, I think I could almost land that plane myself. He was so proud. And Brother Copeland looked at him and said, Jesse, do you know what almost landing an airplane is? That's a crash. <laughs> you don't almost land an airplane. <laughs> and I said, Charlie, where's, where's the airport? He said, you can't see the airport. Everything was just, it was blurry. All those lights began to just run together, and I couldn't make out where the airport was. And uh, so he, he guided me, you know, and, and I just landed the plane safely. But then shortly after that, I was going up to Tennessee, and a friend of mine up there was an eye doctor, and I said, uh, could you examine my eyes? And so I, he had showed me from his examination that I was having trouble seeing distances. I didn't have a clear vision for distance. Now, for reading, I was fine. I could, I could read. I still can read today. I only put on some reading glasses from time to time when my eyes are tired. But I can read. Praise God. Look at that little print. I can read it good. Hallelujah. And I'm almost 73. I'll be 73 next month. Amen. And uh, uh, so he prescribed some glasses for me for distance. So I began wearing them when I was flying. I, I wore them when I drove. It got to wear if I didn't have them on. All the, the signs were blurry on the road. So I wore them when I drove, when I float, uh, fly, <laughs> float. And, uh, and so uh, it helped clear up my vision. Amen. Now, when we talk about vision from the Bible, we're not talking about what you can see with these natural eyes only is what you can see with the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your spirit, man. Amen. So you are a spirit. You live in a body. 
you have a soul, which is made up of your mind, your will, and emotions. But your spirit man, that's where all the, uh, that's where all the spiritual things are going on, praise God. That's where faith resides. And the Bible talks about faith in the heart. It's not talking about your blood pump. Believe God in your heart. You can't believe God with your blood pump no more than you can your nose. It's the spirit man, the inner man. Amen. And, and if you don't have clear vision in the inner man of what God wants in your life, then it's not likely that it will ever happen until you do have clear vision. Now, how do you get clear vision in your heart? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The eyes, these natural eyes and these natural ears are the gateways to the heart. What you see and what you hear gets in your heart. That's the reason the Bible says, protect your heart. Protect your heart. Don't, don't, don't subject yourself to things that are contrary to the Word of God, no more than you can help it. That's the reason why watching CNN five, six hours a day, dear Lord, that's the worst thing you could do. Amen? You're not watching anything that inspires faith. In fact, you're watching things that will destroy faith if you're not careful. So the more word you get in your heart, the clearer the vision. Now, you, you write these down. You don't have to turn to them. But I want to give you some verses this morning. References to increase from the Bible. Not, not, I'm not reading First Jerry. I'm reading Genesis and so forth. Okay? It's not my opinion. This is God's opinion. But I like his opinion, so I have decided to form my opinions after his opinions. Praise God. Now, Genesis one twenty eight, and God blessed them. And to bless means to empower, to prosper, and empower, to increase. That's Genesis chapter 1. So this tells us from the very beginning, it was God's intention, God's plan, and God's will for man to increase. That's why he pronounced the blessing on him. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, God said to Abram, Abraham, I will bless thee. This was his solemn pledge to Abraham and to his seed, that I will bless you. I will empower you to increase. Now, Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2, and Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. So notice the blessing is already working. Increase has already come. One chapter later. Amen. It's already working. And then Genesis chapter 17 and verse 6. God says, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful. And here, exceeding fruitful does not only include offspring, but also he will make him plenteous and abounding in every area of his life. Amen. Genesis seventeen seven, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generation. Now, this is where we come in. I'm the seed of Abraham in this generation. You're the seed of Abraham in this generation. That's what the apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter three, that if you believe in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. Look at somebody and tell him, I'm the seed of Abraham. In my generation. So God wants me to increase. Just like he wanted Abraham to increase. 
and saying, I receive it, praise God. Now see, meditating on these scriptures day and night, not just one, once every Sunday, day and night, this is how you get it in your spirit. This is how you perfect the vision, praise God. If you just, if you only go around saying these things because I tell you to, that I encourage you to, I tell you you should, that's not enough. Amen. It should become a revelation to you where you don't have to be told. You just do it. Hallelujah. It's just first nature to you. Amen. Now let's continue. Genesis chapter 26. Uh, verses 1 through 14, talking about Isaac sowing in famine. And it says, and the man waxed great. And the message translation says, the man got richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. Amen. That's Abraham's seed. And notice, increase came to Abraham, increase came to his seed, and it should be coming to us as well. We're the seed now. Genesis chapter 30, verse 43, talking about Jacob. And the man increased exceedingly. Exodus chapter 1 verse 7. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased exceedingly. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord thy God, or the the Lord God of thy fathers, has promised thee. Notice we're talking about increase. We're letting the word of God be final authority on it. I'm not going to pay any attention to carnal-minded Christians who don't think I should be increasing. And I certainly am not going to allow the world to form my opinion nor my beliefs. They're not even, they're they're carnal-minded. They they don't have any spiritual sense anyway. Amen. I'm going to let the word be final authority. I'm going to let God form my opinion. Let God form my beliefs. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm doing by going to all these scriptures. Actually, I'm doing your homework for you right now. See, I, I, I found all these scriptures. And this is what I do. Not just occasionally, but daily. That's the reason I have it in this notebook. This note, I fill up one of these notebooks. And this is my third one this year with, with messages and notes. And, and the other two are sitting on my desk at home right now. And I keep this right in the front of my notebook. So every time I open this notebook, which is quite frequently, I read those scriptures. Yes. What am I doing? I am creating a vision yes, in my heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Because without a vision, without a vision, it's not likely to ever happen. Yes. Yes. Amen. Uh, another translation says, where it says, uh, without the vision, the people perish. Another translation says, it'll come to nothing. I don't want this to come to nothing. Can you say amen to that? Say, I want it to happen in my life. That was weak. I want it to happen in my life. So that's why I'm developing a vision for it. Come on, Respond. That's why I'm developing a vision for it. Amen. Isn't the theme of this church making winners in life? That's what I'm endeavoring to do this morning, making winners in life. But if you don't pay any attention, and I know you are paying attention, 
But if you don't follow up on it and it, and it, and it, it takes root in you longer than just in the service, then it's not my fault that you're not becoming a winner. And it's not God's fault that you don't become a winner. I get blamed, but I'm not to blame. God's not to blame. Put your finger up in front of your face. Point at yourself. And say, I've discovered the enemy. And it's me. Amen. Now, most people don't like to admit they're the problem, but that's, that's the case. Are you still here? Let's keep building this image. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 13. And he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. Oh, I love this. Job 8, 7. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. The message translation says, you'll end up better than ever. Look at somebody and say, that's where I'm headed. Hallelujah. Better than ever. Praise God. That's the story of mine and Carolyn's life. We are better than ever. Hallelujah. Better than ever and even getting better. And, and, and I'm going to take it to another level. We getting gooder and gooder. Hallelujah. Amen. That may be better than better and better. All right. Psalm 105 verse 24. And he increased his people greatly. And verse 14 says, uh, verse 44 says, he gave them the lands of the heathen. Hallelujah. You'll start believing for the lands of the heathen. Amen. The Bible says the wealth of the sinner has been laid up for the just. I remember one time we were over in Hawaii with Happy and Jeannie Caldwell and Buddy and Pat Harrison. And, uh, uh, and, and we were going through this area where they had these beautiful, beautiful homes. And uh, we're just looking at all these beautiful homes, you know, thinking, man, wouldn't it be nice to have a beautiful home like this in Honolulu, you know. And then one time, Happy and Jeannie were over there by themselves for a wedding, and uh, Happy came back home and said he had an experience. He was riding around in that same area, and he saw this beautiful home up on top of a hill, and he's looking over the, the steering wheel up there at that home, and he said, man, I can't imagine living in a place like that. And the Lord said, don't worry about it, son, you never will. He said, well, Lord, why can't I live in a place like that? He said, you can't imagine it. He said, I got to working on my imagination real quick, praise God. Amen. If you can't imagine it, then it'll never happen. If you can't conceive it, you'll never believe it. And you'll never receive it. Amen. Now, Psalm 113 I mean, 115, verse 14. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is one that scattereth and yet increaseth. He says there's a person who gives and is generous and he keeps increasing. Never forget how important sowing is to experiencing supernatural increase. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8. Through 10, it says that he will multiply your seed sown. And the message translation says, and God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways. Hallelujah. Now, these are just a few of the scriptures. I don't have time to read them all. I'm not going to do all your research for you. But this will be a good starting place, praise God. Take those verses 
and write them down or put them on your iPad, whatever, and, and keep them before you and read them every day. Confess them. I, I like to say them out loud. Hear myself say it. Faith comes by hearing. Not only what I hear other ministers say, but you believe more what comes out of your mouth than you believe it coming out of anybody else's mouth. Amen. So I'd encourage you to say it out loud. Read these scriptures. See, say them out loud because they're faith inspiring. Can you say amen? amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at something here. Once again, from Proverbs 29, 18, the Passion Translation. When there is no clear prophetic vision, the people quickly wander astray. And I don't want that happening to one person in this auditorium. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not going to happen to me, praise God. <laughs> Stray means to move about aimlessly. It means to lose clarity of vision or purpose. It means to digress or to deviate from the original planned course. See, God is setting a course for us. See, you ought to think every day when you get up, 2020, praise God, supernatural increase beyond anything I've ever experienced before. That's my course. That's the course I'm on for 2020, praise God. Amen? But if you don't continue to remind yourself and continue to perfect that image on the inside of you, then you'll begin to deviate. You'll get off course. Any pilots in here? All right, sir, you know that just one degree deviation from the course that you set. And if you don't, if you don't change it, one degree, you're going to wind up somewhere else. Amen. You'll wind up somewhere else. Isn't that right, Richard? One degree. Well, that one degree, spiritually speaking, could be hanging out with the wrong people. Well, what makes you think you could increase? You don't, you've never had anything. You never will have anything. There's your one degree. Well, how in the world would God ever do this to you? You're not a preacher. Oh, I know lots of preachers it's not working for. You don't have to be a preacher for it to work. But if you are a preacher, I ought to be working for you. Praise God. Amen. See, that's, that's that one degree off. No, you got to let your eyes look right on, the book of Proverbs says. Let your eyes look right on. Amen. He said, protect what you listen to. Protect what you see. Because it has everything to do with what's going to get in your heart. So don't let anybody convince you that supernatural increase is not for you. I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't experience that. You, you're, you come from a poor family. Well, you can be the one who breaks the mold. Amen. Hallelujah. If I, if, I had, if I had grown up in Vicksburg, Mississippi with my grandfather like it was originally planned, I would have today a poverty mentality. Now, my dad, he didn't realize it back then because he would have never left Vicksburg, Mississippi as long as he lived. He, 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 he went to heaven thinking Jesus is going to set up his kingdom in Vicksburg, Mississippi. You know? I'm not sure about that, but 
But he loved being from Vicksburg. He loved living in Vicksburg. He always wanted to go back to Vicksburg. But he didn't realize it, that when I was probably six, seven years old, he decided to move to Shreveport, Louisiana, move us to Shreveport, Louisiana. He would have never done that. He, he didn't realize at the time he's being led by the Spirit. And for no other reason, for my benefit. For my benefit. Because if I'd have stayed in Vicksburg under my grandfather, see, we, we lived in a house that my grandfather owned that he gave to my dad when he came back from World War II, you know, but it was on grandpa's property. And, and I would have grown up with that same mentality that grandpa had. He was a wonderful man, but he, he had a poverty mentality. And dad moved us to Shreveport. Now, we didn't start prospering immediately, you know. He, had, he did get a better job, and, and over a period of time, uh, God began to bless him, and I don't think he even realized that it was the blessing of God. And then we moved to Millard Street. We, we, we had lived in about four different places before we ever got to Millard Street. And now I'm in the sixth grade. Four different places. And now I'm in the sixth grade. And when we moved to Millard Street... That's where Carolyn's mom and dad already lived. What a coincidence. Huh? God moved our family to Millard Street. Now, Carol and I grew up together. I'm two years older than her. We were friends. We went to school together and so forth. But on my part, it wasn't love at first sight. It was hers. When you got it, you got it. Hallelujah. Amen. First time I come riding my bicycle down the end of Millard Street, she told her mama, I just saw the boy I'm going to marry. We're going to preach the gospel and all that. It's a good thing she never told me that when we were kids. I'd have never spoke to her again. <laughs> but over a period of time, you know, I come home from college one time. I was in my second year of college, and I came home to see my parents and see some friends and all, and ran into Carolyn. This is, she's... In a senior in high school now. I'm in my second year of college. And, and I looked at her and I thought, this girl has changed. That's not that same little girl down there in the road. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, I didn't say hallelujah, but whatever was supposed to hallelujah when you're a sinner, hallelujah. <laughs> I almost said it. I don't want to say that. But anyway, <laughs> I was attracted. And next thing you know, we're dating. Next thing you know, man, we, we didn't date for a long time. We married, get married. She was two months out of high school. And we married July the 15th, 1966. Now, I'm still running from God. But God had me in the right place. Had me in the right place. She's believing God for me. She's believing God that I'll surrender my life to the Lord. I'd never told her about my experience at 12 years, 11 years old. Hearing the call of God, watching oil robbers, I would not about to tell her that. That would have been leverage. <laughs> she would have used it against me, you know. And so uh, it wasn't until Kenneth Copeland came and I went to the service the last night, heard the gospel like I'd never heard it before, and I couldn't run anymore. Amen. Surrender my life to the Lord. Amen. Amen. You see, this was all part of God's plan. And it all began with my daddy moving us to Shreveport. 
I, I guess God could have done it some other way, you know, with me staying in Vicksburg. But I think the, the, the plan was get him out of Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I had to leave Egypt first before I could get into the promised land. Hallelujah. Amen. And look at me now. Hallelujah. And, and praise God, this beautiful woman, we've been married 53 years, and she believes in me just as strongly today as she did the first day I accepted the Lord. Hallelujah. And I wouldn't be where I'm at today without God, Jesus, Carolyn, and Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> Amen. And I thank God that all of them are in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. So, once again, Psalm 119, verse 10, don't let me stray from your directions. I'm endeavoring to give you God's direction today. Don't stray from it. Say, Lord, don't let me stray. Now, if you really meant that, he's going he's to help you. And whatever he tells you to do, if you, you, you're tempted to stray, do it. Don't stray. Do what he's telling you to do to keep you on course. Amen. So once again, stray means to move about aimlessly, to lose clarity of vision or purpose, to digress or to deviate from the originally planned course. Hallelujah. I've got 2020 vision for 2020. I mean, you've got 2020 vision for 2020. Clarity of vision, praise God. I remember uh, just before I turned 70, which is three years ago now. Uh, my birthday is on December the 24th, and, and I had to go renew my driver's license. And I told Carolyn for, for quite some time, I'd been telling her, I said, I think my eyesight's improving. She said, really? I said, I put these glasses on for distance, and it's blurry out there now. I take them off, and I can see. She said, really? I said, yeah, I don't think I need glasses anymore. So when I got ready to go do my driver's license, you know, renew them. I didn't take my glasses when I went in there and, and it was my time and I'm looking, you know, in that deal to eye exam. When I got ready to put my eyes, my face up against that, she said, uh, you have a restriction. You need to put on your glasses. I said, I don't think I need them anymore. She said, you have a restriction on your license. You need glasses. I said, ma'am, I don't think I need them anymore. She said, you're 70 years old. I said, I know, but I don't think I need them anymore. I said, can I read the chart? She said, yeah. And I read every line. She went down to the lower line. I read every line. She said, there's something wrong. And she took the slide out and put another one in. And I read all of it. She said, this is amazing. I'm taking the restriction off your license. You don't need, you don't need glasses anymore, praise God. Amen. Now, I'll be 73 next month. Praise God. I can still read fine print. I can still see distance. Hallelujah. Just call me Jerry Moses Savelle. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And I've got not only clarity of vision physically, but I got clarity of vision spiritually. Hallelujah. I got a clear vision in my heart of where God wants me to go. Get that clear vision in your heart where God wants you to go. And there's no devil in hell that can stop you from getting there. Give the Lord your best shout. Praise God. Amen. 
The apostle Paul once declared to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26 and verse 19. He said, I was not disobedient under the heavenly vision. God had given him a vision on the road to Damascus. And he said, by this time, he's, he's in King Agrippa's presence. And he said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient under the heavenly vision. The message translation says, I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. Man, I like that. I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. Hallelujah. Are you an obedient believer today? Praise God. He received it by faith. He put everything he had within him into it and refused to give up on it. And he said, I was not disobedient. Are you that determined today? The Passion Translation says, I was not disobedient to what was revealed to me. I was not disobedient to what was revealed to me. Amen. Another word that is closely associated to the word disobedient is the word disrespectful. Disrespectful. Now, listen to this. Therefore, I'm just reading from my notes here. Therefore, you could say that if you aren't willing to stay the course and keep the faith where this prophetic word is concerned, this prophetic vision is concerned, then in reality, you're not showing respect toward God for what he said. Now, that's pretty strong. Well, I respect God. If you don't respect what he says, then I have a right to question your respect for God. Because God and his word are one. Amen. Yeah, but how do I know this is really what God wants? Because I told you. Well, what makes you the authority? I'm not the authority. God is. But the Bible does say, believe in God and his prophets and you shall prosper. Amen. Oh, you're now a prophet? Well, according to God, according to my mentors, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagan, Oral Roberts, and T.L. Osborne, they all saw it at the same time. Within a couple of months of each other. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't looking for another office of ministry. I was happy with what I was doing. And Brother Copeland called me out in the Believers Convention back in a number of years ago and said, Jerry, God is adding a dimension to your ministry and you will become a seer into the spirit realm and he'll hold you responsible for what you see in sharing with the body of Christ everywhere he sends you. Shortly after that, Brother Hagin said almost the same words. And then Oral Roberts wrote me a four-page handwritten letter and said, Jerry, when I saw you preaching tonight, I saw you preaching prophetically and I encourage you to go to the pulpit speaking prophetically every time you go. Amen. All four of my mentors said it at almost the same time. Just a little bit different wording. So I, I have to receive it whether I won't do it or not. Now, I don't go around bragging about that. In fact, I very seldom even mention it. But I know the office that I stand in. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, Believe ye in the Lord your God and his prophets, and you will prosper. Hallelujah. 
Man, I'm standing on some dangerous ground right now. This is going out on television. Won't I get some interesting letters? But it's not going to talk me out of what I know I'm called to do. That's like water off a duck's back. Praise God, I know what I'm called to do. Amen. So he said, I'm, I was not disobedient to what was revealed to me. And once again, another word for disobedient is disrespectful. To disrespect what God declares, uh, I'm sorry, to respect, to respect what God has declared is to give total allegiance to it. Psalm 119, verse 112, the Passion Translation says, I have determined in my heart to obey whatever you say fully and forever. That's giving total allegiance to it. Amen? This is what it takes to see vision become reality. Glory to God. Are you receiving the day? Amen. Now, let me wrap it up with this. I know I've got about 10 minutes here. I think I can do it. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Where is he thinking? In his heart. Not just his head. But as he thinketh in his heart. Another word that could be used here for thinketh is the word imagine. Whatsoever you can imagine in your heart. Whatsoever you can inner image in your heart then you will become that, or it will come to pass in your life. Whatever your inner image is that you have in your heart, then eventually it will become reality in your life. Now, inner image is produced by the Word of God being put in your heart continually. Amen. Continually. Everybody say continually. That's the reason I gave you all those scriptures about increase. Put them in your heart continually. Amen. Vision is a matter of the heart, not the head. It's a matter of the heart. Now, eventually, your head will start believing what your heart believes. That's called renewing the mind. Amen. Once we believe something in our heart, then it becomes fixed and established, and no one can take it away from you. Amen. Now, if you're easily persuaded about supernatural increase, it couldn't happen to you, and it's based on what other people are saying to you, then it just stands to reason that your heart's not fixed and established in it yet. And what are you supposed to do? Cast down those evil thoughts? Cast down everything that's contrary to the Word of God? Cast down imaginations that don't line up with the Word of God? And then Paul says not only cast down what doesn't line up with the word, but then he says, think on these things. Amen. Things that are good report, things that are lovely, things that are true. Amen. So this, this is a exercise. Amen. You know, if you want to build up your biceps, you got to, you got to exercise. You got to use some barbells, you know, and keep at it. If you want to exercise your spirit, and then what's in your spirit become what's in your mind. Then you're going to have to do some spiritual exercise and some mental exercise. Hallelujah. See, a lot of times people think, well, if it's the will of God, it'll just happen. La, 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 la. No, it won't. 
It's the will of God that not one person go to hell. But they're going. Some are already there. But it wasn't the will of God that they go. The will of God hung on the cross. Paid the price for every man's transgression. But not every man will receive it. Even though it's the will of God that they not go to a devil's hell. So that philosophy, well, if it's the will of God, it'll just happen. No, that's, that, that'll get you in trouble. Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 112, verse 7 and 8, his heart is fixed. His heart is established. The Passion Translation says his heart is firm, ever secure in his faith, steady and strong. Ever secure in his faith. In other words, it's not likely that you will ever talk this man out of it. It's not likely that he will ever waver from the vision. Why? Because he's steadfast. He refuses to give up until the vision becomes reality. And as the Apostle Paul would say, Romans 4, 21, being fully persuaded. Romans 8, 38, I am persuaded. Persuaded means influenced and drawn to what God has said and no longer considering anything else. And once again, I'll refer to how Paul would say it, Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me. I am not moved by anything else other than what God has said. And I'm focused on that. That's my vision. I'm established. I'm fixed. And I'm headed for it just as sure as the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord your best shout. Praise God. Amen. And then I'll close it with this. Acts 27, 25. Wherefore, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. I believe God. Somebody say, I believe God. And I believe it will be even as it was told me. And God has told me 2020 is my year for supernatural increase beyond anything I've ever experienced before. I will not waver. And give the Lord another good shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Now, the next time I'm here with you is part three. Hallelujah. I always share with this church, before I share anywhere else, three parts, and then I take it to the rest of the world. Praise God. Amen. So, look at somebody smile real big and say, I can hardly wait when Brother Jerry's back. Thank you. I appreciate that. Praise God. Amen. Come on, let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, I've endeavored to deliver your word today to the best of my ability. And I believe the Holy Spirit has been working with me. And I believe that the, the word has gone deeply into their hearts. And they are doers and not hearers only. And Lord, we, we're catching the vision. We are catching the vision. And we believe, praise God, that it's just a matter of time and it will become reality in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, and we thank you for it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Eric, come on up.